Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Not because we can, you know, see into the future or understand what's about to happen or can read the forecast of the NHL's uh, potential future. Last week I posed a question. Uh, what potential television network would you like to see the NHL have games on in lieu of the NFL having a playoff game on Nickelodeon? Well, you know, speak for yourself about not being prescient. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I'm trying to um, fake humility and and, uh, and pretend to be humble. And okay, okay, sorry. But but we'll get to that other thing later. You okay? I- I've sussed it. You're Sam Flood. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that he is. <laughs> I mean, I am a pale white male, so the chances are. I mean, it it, it could be, could be likely. <laughs> All right. So to answer your question, Pat, um, now this is a kind of a radical idea. So you know. Stay with me here. How about, and I know this is going to be strange, the NHL Network. See? Got you speechless. <laughs> I, I don't know how to react to that. I about did a spit take. <laughs> oh, when will they actually make that channel into a real hockey channel? <laughs> Instead of just stealing feeds from regional sports networks or Canadian broadcast partners and broadcasting the games on there. And having produced content when there aren't games. Instead of just rerunning NHL tonight and NHL now over and over again. Or, you know, being able to, to do reruns of key games that the NHL they have happened in the NHL over the years that they no longer own. Oh, how Apparently. They, how they no longer own that stuff is beyond me. Oh, gosh, um, crazy. I, I have a real quick question before I provide my answer. Are Is somebody going to start an account for the red Dodge Ram truck that's at the Saddle Dome in the corner? You know how like they had the, the White Islander SUV Twitter account? Um... You're you're asking for someone in Alberta to be that creative. I there's two or three people <laughs> in Alberta that are creative like that. I know two of them. Okay. I know okay. two people that are creative in Alberta, and one of them right. actually lives in the Calgaryan region. Um, my answer would be, uh, I would love <laughs> Discovery Channel because then they could have Shark Week, Shark Week, right? <sighs> Sharks games. Yeah. They could do Shark Week leading into Sharks Week. Um, or they or Man versus Minnesota Wild, right? Yeah. yeah. Predator. The Nashville yeah. Predators. Yeah. yeah. See? Mm-hmm. Um, or you could do the Food Channel. Right? Man, Fire, and Flames. You know? Or Man, what is it? Man, Fire, Food. Man, Flames, Food. You know? Yeah, yeah. So the Discovery Network was going to be my number one, followed by the History Channel, because that's all the quote-unquote current NHL demographic cares about is history and their own team. I couldn't make a Fox News joke, but no. Then they would have to hire have to hire Jen, History Girl, Jen. And we can't, we can't apparently have that. No, the idiots in the league office who say she's not qualified to be a historian. Yet, what's their current historian on staff doing these days? Did, did I, you remember they, had, they supposedly had a historian on staff? Well, yeah, but 
Um, as far as I remember, his name isn't Dave Stubbs, who is about the only one I would entrust to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, they could... Sorry, Apparently I'm bringing out all the angst. Current <laughs> NHL.com colonist. Columnist. They could they mm-hmm. could go to the TLC channel and do it like a ninety day fiance tie in, right? Like ninety day ninety days to the ninety days to the cup ring, you know that kind of thing. Mm. And and they could have you know, then you could have the other show of of people in their beds watching hockey talking about the game you know because like they have the stupid show that that you can sit that they show people in bed watching 90 day fiance talking about night c so you know you can you can you can meta the whole thing out it makes too much sense i mean half your suggestions patrick make too much sense and that's why sadly it's ultimately going to be hgtv since most of their productions already happens in toronto so, because, you know, it's all got to be about the Leafs eventually. Oh, but you could have a House Hunters International when players get traded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which would just focus their, on their wives because, you know, that's, those are the people doing all the work. <laughs> I do believe House Hunters does venture into certain locales in the U.S. and Yeah. And, you know, all the, you know, uh, Love It are listed or oh. the Property Brothers, they do set up shop in certain, you know, North in uh, United States cities for periods of time. One might be in, I don't know, Columbus, Ohio. Oh. You could have a Love It or listed for players on the trade block where they try and renovate the guys who demanded a trade. Mm-hmm. See how they react, and then yeah, it it. I mean, the Columbus general manager could be an executive producer on the show. Apparently, oh man, I guess we need to talk about that elephant in the room, don't we? What about how the NHL is on the USA Network because they're le- you know U.S. television partner for the next. Six months is uh, is about to go under. It's not going under. <laughs> when they lost, I don't want to say lost. Um, they're decentralizing, getting out of cable because expanded cable channels are dead. I don't know why. Anyway, I don't want to get on that, that rant. The the starting up of a new cable network is just useless, to be honest, because everything is streaming cord cutting platform right now and that's what they're trying to do now they're going to fail miserably because they're way late to the party but good on them for trying you know so no NHL on no NHL on Peacock then or oh I'm sure I'm sure they'll have some actually no you know what I don't think they can because of the streaming package with the NHL TV it, it would have to be something that's negotiated in any new contract. Yeah. Well, it'd have to be something that would be nationally broadcast because that's part of the blocker, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's available on a nationally on a national channel that is available on cable networks, at least in hotel rooms in certain areas. Because um, <clears throat> that was always my favorite. Nobody, everyone was like complaining that nobody got NBC Sports in their hotel rooms when they were on the road. Or playoff coverage yet the game was only broadcast on NHL sports or NBC sports <sighs> yeah fun times I'd rather that the NHL used to be on USA Network a long time ago so it's no biggie that's you know that's kind of where I first got a dose of John Davidson doing color mm-hmm They've been all over. They've been on like CNBC. <laughs> well, and, 
to be fair, NBC just you know said, "Hey, you guys are going to do these games." Okay, well, we'll broadcast them all across all of our all of our networks. And since there is nothing happening in the stock market after four thirty on a weeknight anyway, instead of rerunning shows, guess what? We'll mm-hmm. we'll interrupt you know this replay of Dragons Den or whatever, and put your little your little figure skating match on. <laughs> that way, we satisfy our end of broadcasting your games, and we get you know at least a couple of dozen people watching. <laughs> yeah. On CNBC, which they didn't know they had that channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I uh, my favorite was when they were on HDNet, which is now Access TV. Mm-hmm. Because that's when they were first rolling out um, high definition trucks for sports. Broadcasts, um, right? Mark, Nobody had HD TVs yeah. at home. Well, a few people did. Mark Cuban leveraged that and bought himself a, outfitted himself a truck and said, "Okay, I got one. You guys want to borrow it? Great. Guess what? It's going on my network. <laughs> it's gonna help me sell. It's gonna help me sell HD Net, and it's gonna help people buy HD TVs because." Nothing screams high definition than seeing 16 by 9 framed in solid white. I'm come on, Pat. I'm laying up curveballs for you here. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm staring at this beautiful purple ice as we speak as the uh, Metropolitan Riveters and Connecticut Whale are getting ready to face off in their second game of the NWHL bubble. So I'm a bit distracted at the moment, Patrick. I'm sorry. Uh, what, what, were you, what were you talking about? I'm terribly sorry. Um, um, <laughs> Eddie Lack is what I was talking about. Eddie Lack. Lacko. Lacko taco. Eddie Lack, man. God love that Swedish nut job. He's a goaltender. I get to call him a nut job. Um, Man, just did you see that he dogged Bill Peters? That was the beautiful one. No, he missed this. Oh yes. Um, so for those that don't know, I am I'm not a John Tortorella apologist. I'm a John Tortorella defender because he gets flack for the way he treats the press, not because of the way he coaches. And everyone's all like, oh, he's just a little piss baby because he's one of questions. Yeah, bite me. Ask better questions. Um, now, the, I did see Eddie come out in defense of torts. Yes, he was said. Tacked on to that conversation? Yes, it was. It was. Yeah. Um, he, he basically, you know, he came out and said, you know, I, I don't get what this, you know, I don't get what this view of torts is, you know. I basically he's like I loved the guy even when you know even when he wasn't playing me you know he was a fantastic coach you knew where you stood there was no you know mind games or any of that crap and and then he followed it up later saying you know and I've played for a abusive I've played for an abusive coach and that's his name isn't John Tortorella and somebody said well who was it and he said Bill Peters <laughs> good for him yeah great on him because it just reaffirms you know that whole crap about Bill Peters being a POS. Because you heard the stories about him kicking players while they're on the bench and mm-hmm. and all you know all of the other derogatory and demeaning things he did to players throughout his career. And you know, I just remember when that whole stuff with Babcock and Peters came down, everyone was like, uh oh, you know, the shoe's gonna drop, Tortorella and I'm like, no, you guys don't get it. You are hard-pressed to find many guys that say they hate torts as a coach. Even Pierre-Luc Dubois, who hummed and ummed and owed and awed and stammered and stuttered his way around the questions of why he wanted out when he said, when he got asked about Tortorella, he was clear. He didn't have to try and find words. He wasn't going, um, and, well, um, um, you know, and, um, no. You know, I'm sure they had their differences. What grown adults don't. 
but you know dragging him because he yelled at the guy while he was on the bench and benched him whatever I don't think Torts was calling Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, an illegitimate son of some, you know, woman of ill repute while they were sitting there. I'm pretty sure he was ragging on him about his, you know, you're not skating hard, you're not working hard. The stuff that Torts is noted for, right? Trying to make the Sedins block shots. (laughs) I mean, you don't know until you try, right? (laughs) Seriously, exactly, you know. It's just like having a toddler, right? You know, you have to bribe them. If you get out there and block some shots, they'll give you some coins, you know, or some chocolates, or you get to pick Hot Wheels. We're racing cars, coach. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I think Patrick Line is going to have himself a grand and dandy time under Tortorella because he's going to know exactly where he is in the world. Yeah, I think I think he's going to thrive under torts. I mean, the people that seem and and I've said this privately to you guys, but it seems like to me and, you know, maybe my perception isn't entirely right. But it seems like to me that the only people that really have a problem with torts coaching style, not him as a person, but his coaching style are the are the egotistical young Canadian players who feel like, and it might be a location thing, who feel like they would rat, they, their talents are being wasted in some like random little place and they belong in the spotlight of Toronto, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and here's Torts uh, like yelling at, him, yelling at them for not moving their feet. <laughs> I'm, I'm hard pressed to find one though, right? Um, Nash. No, I think it, I, I, I'm not. I, sure I'm about, not saying he didn't like Tortorella as a person. I'm just saying he didn't no, no, like how sports coached. I don't. I think I think he bagged out. He got thrown under the bus, by the way, by that general manager, Housen, when he was dealt. Oh, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I think it's as much that Nash saw the end of his career coming, and he wasn't getting any closer to the playoffs again. More than anything. I mean, that's definitely possible. Because it's sad. Uh, when, when they held those press conferences, I succinctly remember going, yeah, there was some beef between he and the GM. Because mm-hmm. there, was, there was some... There was some spittle that was falling out of the GM's mouth. And, it, you know, I mean, there's... Like I said, no one gets along with everyone. Right. And I mean, I, and I'm not saying that like it was just him. That was, that's just my perception and that may yeah, not yeah, be. No. Yeah. I, I think the vast majority of it is media because they oh, I, I like, agree. Like, yeah. You know, they're going to, they're going to look to just nail him every single time they can. Cause torts doesn't cater to them. No. And let's be honest, most of this talk about Torts came when he worked in New York and then that brief stint that he shouldn't have had in Vancouver. Yeah, he was loved in in Tampa, even before now, he won the Cup. Yeah, but I I will say, like, the roster composition and the way you could configure a team prior to the lost season, a bunch of older players they were in a nice little window there. It makes sense. But yeah, going to New York just kind of blew everything up. It, it was dealing with people like Larry Brooks all the time, which, you know, he's hit or miss for me. He's, you it's, know, you know, it's hysterical because they, it's people like that, that, you know, they always, they always point back to, and use those, you know, quit trying to coach Booksy type comments, you know, to, to demonstrate their narrative about how Tortorella is a, a piss baby or whatever they want to call him. And yet nobody ever goes back to remember when Dan Boyle had his retirement. Um, had, basically was retiring and made the announcement in the locker room and, and you know, basically said, I'm not answering questions with those guys around. And it was Larry Brooks and I forget who else. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 
just maybe Larry Brooks is a D bag. <laughs> you know? And Torts just has no patience for it. I don't know. You know, I'd love to see Torts with Simmons because that'll tell you everything, right? <laughs> yeah, you uh, just want someone to you. take Simmons down publicly. <laughs> no, I. Simmons isn't going to get taken down. If he hasn't been taken down already, he's never going to get taken down. Yeah, until, I, know, yeah, yeah. I mean, unless there's some sort of complete and utter, you know, reprehensible breach of, of you can't even say etiquette because he basically made up an entire article, at least one. Um, that we can prove. That it, Well, yeah. That he got caught at. And it did absolutely no harm. You know? And it and it didn't take you know looking at HTML code to to out him. Yeah. <laughs> and you know it's it's the white man confidence that you can get away with that kind of crap. <laughs> the that and being an established media member at a time where pensions are a thing and you have a union behind him. Yep. Yeah. You know it it helps. It's why the same old guys are the same old guys because. Everyone else had to jump ship because there was no room at the end for them. So you're stuck with these old guys until they finally are either kicked out the door or retire for good. Um, and they're not being replaced by different voices necessarily at the same publications. You know, I just always find it funny because a lot of the people that are dragging torts are also, you know, some of the same group that are lauding. Brian Burke for telling it like it is. And I'm like, you know what, kids? They're the same archetype. Yeah. Neither mm-hmm. one suffers fools willingly. Just one talked to you and one didn't. I right. mean, well, and sound to. Not even that. I mean, Brian just always had a little bit more press savvy. When he was not interested in hammering away at somebody, or not interested in talking to it, because he knew he was going to hammer hammer away at him. He was a bit more diplomatic because he yeah. felt he had to be in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. It's the. Um, it's the difference between a general manager and a coach to a certain degree, right? Right. Because you answer to the owner, and if you're given the team a black eye in the press because of things like that, you know. That's that's gonna that's gonna come back on you. Whereas the coach answers to the general manager generally, and you know you can basically say, "Hey, I need you to stop that." It's 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 sort of you know being called on the carpet by you know uh, the vice principal of a school versus the CEO of a corporation. There's a little bit of of heft difference, but so does that make the press the PTA in this analogy? Um, a little bit because there's a lot of Karens in the press, and mm. they, you know, they have bake sales, mm. and you know they're interested in keeping their nose in other people's business. Um, yeah, kind of. They have their little meetings. They, you know, they elect a head of the PTA. They're they're more interested. Some of them are more interested in connections than actually the job. Yeah, exactly. You know, but enough about the. Athletics coverage this summer. (laughs) 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 Boy. Yeah, good times. So how about that trade that eh, it was just it was a player for player trade. Can we just admit that it wasn't a blockbuster? It, It was just a player for player trade. Uh, sure. My name okay. for Dubois. Yeah, it was essentially two trades. It was Line for Dubois and Russell Vick for a third round pick. I mean, it's the biggest trade we're going to see for maybe a calendar year because GMs trick themselves into making this difficult and thinking they have to wait to the last second when just you know, do it. <laughs> which. I, I think both players are going to end up like doing better in their respective with their respective new teams, but I think Line A is probably going to be doing 
a lot better. <laughs> well, I think Roslovich is going to end. I think Roslovich is the one that's going to end up really winning. Long term, yes. Long term, yeah, yeah. Depending how quickly um, Line A can get into the lineup and get acclimated, like there's going to be, it's going to be a little um, sandpapery. But I, I will say, I think Paul Maurice, the only NHL coach Line A has had, is very similar to Tortorella in regards to how he manages players. He's a lot less public. He, he's more um, sly with his comments in the press, and so everyone loves him. But his player management style is very similar, but I know plenty of players that don't love playing for him. So, so I think <clears throat> it's going to be very interesting. And first of all, you know, everyone was... When we were starting the return to play stuff, everyone was like, oh, trade's going to be impossible because you're going to have to be without the guy, you know, depending on which way the trade goes, you know, all this and that, you know, I highly doubt you're going to. And what was the first trade to happen this season was one of those border crossing trades. <laughs> Lightning right? in Ottawa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, and that the game of goalie waiver dominoes. And yeah. Does the well, player pack his stuff yet or not? And then, you know, the next big trade with players who are going to have an impact, right? Who, who are there to make an impact, but yet have to go through the quarantine stuff. Yeah. Now, now you've got Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's got to sit for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Laine, who's got to sit for however long the NHL mandates. I think 10 days or something. You know, essentially, you're out. You're without these two guys for two weeks. Yeah. And at least in line A's, uh, to his benefit, can you say the fact that he's injured right now? If he's able to quickly get a visa across the border, I mean, he's not necessarily going to be playing or even conditioning. Yeah. So yeah. It, it can work out just fine for him too. Yeah, and I think Roslovich was already down um, in the states. Yes, he he's in Columbus already. Yeah. He was working out in Columbus, so. But it's, we knew the trade was going to happen. It was coming down the pipe. I just think the anticipation of, I guess, that 12 to 16 hour period, I guess, Friday night into Saturday morning where we knew it was going to happen. And then everyone just kind of built it up as, oh, this is the biggest trade we've seen in a while. And it's like, eh, is this any bigger than uh, Johansson for Jones? Uh, in the moment, I, I think, just like we said uh, with, you know, Dubois, we see long term, you know, success in its future. You could say the same thing about Seth Jones, but. In the moment, it was just kind of a, yeah, it's a good player-for-player player trade. Oh, no. No, I never agreed with that trade. No? Never. No, Seth Jones is no. For Ryan Johansson. I mean, that's Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson is basically the inverse of the Taylor Hall for Larson trade. You're giving up on uh, an elite talent for a middling center. No, Nashville got robbed in that, flat out robbed. Because I knew they, I everyone and their dog knew they were as as deep as the Marianas Trench on defense, but they were also starting to age out. At some of their, you know, Ryan Suter was looking to leave, and Weber, you know, was getting up there, especially on that deal. How do you get rid of Seth Jones? You could have had Elias Lindholm instead, David Boyle. But no. Right. And look how good he's playing as a center for Calgary. Kind of the center that they needed instead of the one that they got. Right. Right. You know, that that Seth Jones deal is just, that turned, that turned Columbus into a far better franchise, and it made Nashville no better short term and made them a little worse long term 
But this, that, that's how I see this trade too. I think it makes Winnipeg better long term, as long as they can get him to a longer term deal in two seasons. And well, even if Line A were to sign a, a you know a massive extension with Columbus. I don't think they're a better team today because of it. Despite getting, I would say, the more um, tangible player who who can breathe some results on the team. Well, and that's that's the that's the sticky wicket in the whole trade, right? Is Line A is not a play driver; he is a play no. finisher, no. right? That man Which will find space with him and Ovechkin can end. Too. Yeah. They're both finishers, but Ovechkin can can drive the play. Yeah, Ovechkin can create five on five. Line A has very little push to the play five on five. And as good as the you know wingers are for the Blue Jackets, there isn't a good. I don't think a good complementary play driver for him to play with. But that's with Winnipeg. That's how he's been with Winnipeg. And he wasn't terribly happy to be with Winnipeg. <clears throat> so it could be as much as just a change of scenery changes his outlook. And suddenly he's playing completely different than how he was. As, just, long, as long as he can prove that he can handle 20 plus minutes a game. Or, you know, more five-on-five five ice with the quote-unquote first line, which is something Paul Maurice wasn't going to give him, ever. Right, that's what I was going to say. Is That's the one thing he's been sort of begging for is first-line ice time so that he can contribute with first-line players. Now, obviously, the skill level of the first line of Columbus is nowhere near, you know, the skill level of first line of Winnipeg. But, you know kind of what you're hinting to Cassie is even if he's up there, if he's, if he's starting to get into that 20 and 21 minute range and he's even getting a modicum of help, you know, from, from that first line, you know, from a playmaker or, or help, you know what I'd say at this point, their defense drives probably more of their offense because Zach Rowinski and Seth Jones and Savard and those guys back there are quite active. So you never know. But I also think to your point, Cassie, is he did show a desire or a willingness to become a better overall player last season, right? Because the knock on him was, you know, they, the first time he met his goalie was at the end of season party because he never backchecked. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, is that, um, you know, some players... Like a change of scenery, all of a sudden they're like a totally different player. Uh, And some players, they're the same, and some players, they decline. It just depends on the player, right? So if Torts is willing to, like, give him first-line ice time, if Torts is willing to trust him to do things the way that Maurice was not, then Line could just, like, totally become a completely different player. Yeah. I don't disagree. I mean, I think he's instantaneously going to get first-line minutes, and anything that he needs to fix is going to be fixed along the way. Um, I, you know, he's going to be very interesting to watch. It's going to be very interesting to watch because they instantaneously get someone who can score, which is something they have not had in a long time that dynamic finisher. See, I kind of think that the environment is going to be what makes or breaks this trade because I think that Line A with Torts, he will get what he wants and he will not disappoint because of that. I think Dubois initially has gotten what he wanted, but I think that... um, the shine is going to wear off very quickly for him. So, yeah, that's kind of what I, I was know. wondering too. Sorry, yeah. Cassius. He's going to be sitting behind Shifley, you know. Yeah. And he was a number one center in Columbus who 
who was starting to look like he was becoming a, and I hate using this term, a legitimate number one center mm-hmm. in this league, right? And now he's instantaneously been shoved down the pecking order. Yeah, I mean, there's that. There's also the fact that, you know, he's going to have a lot more travel this year now that he's in Canada, which he didn't wasn't going to be looking forward to in Columbus with the Canadian division. Um, and he's also going to be in a very in a, in a much more remote town, because even though Columbus is like not exactly the center of society anywhere um they uh they're still not that far from like other places if you're willing to drive a couple hours <laughs> well Colum- columbus has wi-fi and an airport right <laughs> these like, things are technically true but you know winnipeg is is isn't aren't they the smallest market in the nhl or is that vegas it's one of the two. Uh, no, I'm I, as far as like population, market yeah. population. I think it's. I think it is Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess it depends on where he had his heart set on going. Well, or Cassie, he had his heart set on going somewhere. <laughs> his dad lives in Winnipeg, so of course that's where he wants to be. Of course. One one of the benefits of having your AHL team in, in the same arena, I guess. But I think one of the interesting things for Dubois is he had two good weeks. And so pro scouts probably did the thing that, you know, certain teams, amateur scouts do after World Juniors or an Ivan Holenka is they forecast and project based on what they saw in that short time span because, you know, no one had anything else to do but watching the bubble, so he's given a, a a light to you know be the guy on screen where you're not watching a Columbus game. You know you're not watching five or six consecutive Columbus games to observe this one player. I think being insulated behind Shifley could ultimately benefit them based on the way they deploy their forwards five on five because he's instantly has to play on the first team power play for for Winnipeg. I think going in, so I think he's still going to get the ice time of a quote unquote one C, but he may be given some room and some flexibility to actually not attempt to be, I don't know, that second tier center behind the McDavid's McKinnon's, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't hear you say dry sidle. I'm sorry. Did you, (laughs) did you, I was just trying. I was just trying to name one for, per team, you know, because oh, oh. throw Shifley in there because Shifley is a one C. Yeah. But this is not a McDavid Drysidle pairing where either one could have the mantle, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. At least not yet. Yeah. One A, one B. Yes. One A, one A, one. One A, one A prime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've we've had for the last week and a half or so the NHL announcing COVID cases or people who are in COVID, um, whatever they're calling it. I can't think of the word. Protocol. But Thank I, you. I, I wouldn't know what you're talking about. I haven't read anything like that. Sarcasm. <laughs> Well, that's where I was last week. I was in COVID protocol, and you know I had to pay the fine and the whole nine yards. Hmm. Hmm. So, so uh, I mean, I kind of like the idea that like players are being named, na- you know, named the ones who are they're being either, outed. Uh, yes, except that's actually really what I wanted to say. <laughs> Is they're all being shamed. <laughs> Um, but I mean, on the other hand, it's also one of those, should they be? I, I had a tough time with the, with the team that shall be not named the hurricanes. 
Um, actually, that the COVID canes. They're the COVID canes. The, Come on. The, the, the Dallas COVID canes? Wait. No, the, the Carolina. <laughs> no, the Detroit COVID canes. The the COVID Lina. Um, <laughs> hurrah. Um, I have a tough time with some of those because you. Ones like that, you know, they didn't. As far as I saw, they didn't sort of announce where they had contact traces or where they had contact with somebody that was positive, which ended up in them being positive. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is, we have we have seen for the last year plus, this virus can be anywhere, and you just don't know. You can take all the precautions in the world, and you just don't know, right? Um, it could have been brought in by somebody you know, working for the team. It just happened to, you know, make contact with one of these guys. So I'm I don't wanna I don't wanna out them saying that they were bad boys. Unlike the Capitals, who I get <laughs> why people are angry because the logic of the rule seems to fly in the face of these guys are out there spitting and sweating on each other and in the locker rooms. But you're on their dime, their rules, their game board you play by him. My problem with all of it for the caps was the fact that Ovechkin, who was captain, thought himself above the rules. Mm. Well, his wife certainly thought so. Yeah. Because, I mean, in theory, at least, the team captain ought to be the one who helps enforce the rules. Whether they agree with them or not doesn't matter. You're kind of in the chain of command. You should you should actually be, you know, helping make sure that the rules are enforced. And here's Ovechkin with whoever. It doesn't even matter who he's with. Basically flaunting that he doesn't have to abide by the rules. <laughs> Well, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to use this term, even though I'm going to catch hell for it. It was basically the Russian mafia in in DC, right? It was all the Russians getting together, and I, you know, every team has their little cliques, especially guys that you know are from the same country, because they'll be able to commiserate with each other and talk about Dostoevsky and you know Borscht and all of those good things. But, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's that's what his wife actually liked to, wanted to point out, was that, oh, it's against the Russians. It's like, lady, it doesn't matter who it's against. They were all part of the same team doing the same thing and share they're from the same country. It doesn't matter what country. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, come on. Exactly. Unless you're Larry Brooks and needed something to write the other day. Oh, dear God. Quit trying to coach Brooks. Because he, he tried to make it into the nationality Russian thing and then tie it back to their performance in Toronto, which we saw no evidence that was just one faction of the Washington Capitals that underperformed. It was the whole freaking roster that couldn't come together for one, you know, legitimate series when, you know, things actually mattered. In a completely different subject, really quickly. Um, yes. The abs and their blueness. Okay. I thought we were getting ready to wrap up the show, but let's go. No, 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 no. No, I just, I was, um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I, let, let me uh, sorry, <laughs> conversations with many different people about this offline. Uh, the past few days <laughs> i don't particularly like it with their with their home sweaters it's 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 i, I was never a, ma- a massive fan of the black but i don't particularly like the the claret blue being so prominent when their sweater is largely you know raspberry sherbet whatever they want to call it that being said, when they slap on those Nords reverse retros, 
that is going to be glorious. Because that is going to look like the old Nordiques. White sweater, Nord's logo, blue, you know, bright blue pants, bright blue helmets, gloves. Oh, that's going to look something fierce. And it, it's kind of interesting that they went with more maroon accents in the jersey itself, ultimately. Um, as I s- sit here and look at it, because I've been saying I'm okay with the look with their home uniform. I actually think a maroon helmet and maroon pants would have been the better way to go. Yeah, I agree. But it's terrible with their current white jersey. And I'm afraid if that's what they use with the Nordiques uniforms, it might ultimately look better because there are some blue numbers. But... As opposed to having like the the maroon shoulders and arms, you have that just all white with just the maroon igloo, the fluid release, and then the blue numbers. It might work better than I'm picturing in my head, but it looks terrible with their current away setup. No, I get that. You know, I just it's going to just be 100% throwback look to that vintage you know, Nordiques. Although I don't think they really ever did the blue helmets with the whites. Anyway. I think it was always, I think the helmets were always yeah, white. Yeah, I think they did the white with the whites and then the blues with their formerly road sweaters. But they always had the bright blue pants. But I think with the, the, the new third jersey highlighting a lot of like i mean they they flipped the color scheme right they used the instead of it being the blue and the white and in the color of the province of quebec flag basically um you know they flipped it so that it's burgundy with the blue trim i think it's still the, those third jerseys would still look better with like burgundy pants Burgundy helmet, probably, or a white helmet. White helmet with burgundy pants. Yeah. Bottom line, the Avs are a team in need of a, a redesign here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but... All right, now that I'm to something a little more fun. Uh-oh. The NWHL has been fun for the past day and a half. So we're recording on Sunday, per usual, for us, and it's day two inside the bubble, and I don't care that there are no U.S. or Canadian Olympians playing in this tournament. I don't care that it's not the quote-unquote best women's players in the world. These teams are producing fun-to-watch exciting high tempo hockey with very few whistles and it is freaking entertaining it's bet it's been better than any nhl game i've watched during the first you know two weeks of the se- or week and a half of the season you're not going to get a disagreement from me Continue on. Preach, preach on. <laughs> preach on. So, You're preaching to the choir, my friend. <laughs> three, three quick notes. One, yes, the ice looks awesome. It's so it for those who haven't seen it. The neutral zone is is a um, some shade of purple. It looks very blue on on the Twitch stream. But the neutral zone is one color. The two offensive zones are another color. I think it's a cool look. It's very reminiscent of some of the designs uh, NBA teams are doing with their courts, just doing different shades. It, it's just something different to break up the monotony of. It's actually supposed to be for the whole hockey fights cancer thing. It's supposed yes. to be a lavender neutral zone, and they're supposed to have lavender posts. Yes, the posts come off clear as day. I would call it um, lavender for sure, and they look much better it's not these harsh sharp colors all the time and 
it's it's just gorgeous. Uh, the officiating, fantastic in this tournament so far. All women's crews, but my goodness, their positioning is outstanding. Every time I see a line a lines person working the calls, they are in the exact right place. They're shuffling their feet on both sides of the blue line like every young referee is taught compared to what the NHL counterparts do, and it is they are putting them to shame. I don't care how much experience NHL officiating crews have. The positioning of these women is fantastic, and they are calling excellent games. And then number three, and just the list of positives, has, has been the chat in the Twitch stream. So, one, I definitely felt like an old man a little bit because I couldn't Good. figure out how... How does the subscription setup work in Twitch? It, it took me like an hour to figure it out, but I did. But one of the cool things I'm seeing in the chat is certain people are gifting a quote-unquote subscription for the NWHL's Twitch stream, which ends up financially benefiting the league and the players. Mm-hmm. So maybe this might be a good place to land things. Uh, JT Brown, formerly of Tampa and Minnesota, he uh, just signed a deal to play over in Europe. Um, He gifted 71 NWHL subscriptions for their Twitch stream based on uh, Sonora Sonora or Sinora. I I don't know how to pronounce her first name, but Sonora Ticker, uh, rookie. First round draft pick of the uh, Metropolitan Riveters. Her number is 71. She wore that when she played at Yale. It's great. So I guess my question is, pick one other NHL player and pick a significant number of subscriptions they should donate through the um, NWHL Twitch chat. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.